Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast, which focuses on cognitive health trends. I'm Sean Maloney, editor of Nutraceuticals World. Traditionally, consumers and marketers have focused on cognitive health at either end of the lifespan, but supporting brain health and sustaining cognitive function is a lifelong endeavor. Today, brands are recognizing needs along the entire age spectrum and have been developing solutions for a range of health goals that relate to cognitive function and performance. From gamers who need to maintain intense focus and concentration for long durations, to working parents trying to stay sharp and manage stress, to Gen Xers and boomers who are focused on preserving mental faculties, there are many opportunities to reach more consumers and improve public health. I recently spoke to two experts from Kiwahako, Elise Lovett, Senior Marketing Manager, and Danielle Citrolo, Director of Scientific and Regulatory Affairs, about market and research trends in cognitive health. So Elise, an Ipsos poll from October 2019 reported 80% of U.S. adults believe being cognitively fit is as important as being physically fit. And globally, mental well-being is the number one attribute defining consumers' perception of being healthy, according to Euromonitor. What do you think that suggests about how people perceive health in general and cognitive health specifically? In the past, I think, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I think, you know, around dietary supplements, about around health, I think that, you know, consumers were very focused in on being physically fit, you know, hitting the gym, going to the gym, doing their exercises. It was all about, you know, how you look um, and, and, you know, physically how you look. And I think, you know, we've seen, you know, a, a shift in that trend of, you know, how you feel mentally, um, not only physically, but how you feel mentally. And, and really the, the, how the physical and mental, they really come together and the perception of the consumer of how the physical and mental and that almost like that brain-body connection and how they come together. So, you know, you talk about being physically fit, but, you know, you, you really can't be physically fit without being sharp, without being focused. Um, without having those memory benefits. So I think that's why we're seeing so much of that mental awareness now um, being just as important or even more important than that, you know, that physical aspect of being fit as well. So overall, what factors are driving this focus on cognitive health and mental wellness? So I think I think in different um, demographics, there's different factors that are you know hitting um, the, the issues of cognitive health or mental health. But you know I, I do follow Gallup data on cognitive health. I've been following it for you know the probably the past like six to eight years on the specifically on the cognitive health issues because we have our cognitive health ingredient of cognizant. But, you know, I think, you know, if you look back, you know, maybe eight, ten years ago, I think what, what, what was happening was we saw a lot of um, consumers looking for um, memory benefits um, when it came to cognitive health, and we still are. But, you know, I think what's happening now and what's driving, you know, the focus on the cognitive health and mental wellness is really the, the stress aspect. Um, and, and we see that in a lot of the Gallup data in the past couple of years that, you know, stress is really being related to those cognitive issues, especially um, the cognitive issues like focus, attention, concentration. So I think the stress is definitely going to be something to follow and see um, how it, it really is affecting the cognitive health um, space over the next couple of years.
at least do you believe there are underserved consumer groups in this cognitive health area? Yeah, I mean, there, I think the cognitive health area really goes into so many different spaces, right? Like, so, like I said, you know, older demographic, um, memory benefits for consumers, that's been around, you know, for a while. There's, you know, some older ingredients on the market um, that tout memory benefits. Um, but, you know, you, you see some emerging consumers into the cognitive health space. You see, you know, the younger demographics really becoming more interested in cognitive health supplements for those factors that, you know, stress might, you know, cause those factors, like the focus, the attention, the concentration. Um, you see some sports nutrition type of um, consumers, your active lifestyle types of consumers that are really looking, again, for that mind-body connection. So how can they also help their cognitive health while they're working out? You see groups like um, eSports um, starting to emerge and look for cognitive health benefits, um, you know, even memory type of benefits in that younger demographic. Um, and But the whole slew of benefits really for those groups, right? You're, they're looking at the focus, the attention, um, the memory type of benefits. But it, when you really look at who's underserved, I really think it's those groups that are looking for like dual condition specific formulations. Um, and, and maybe the cognitive health coming like as a secondary. So for that like middle age demographic. So maybe like for example, an immune formulation for that, you know, 45 to 55 year olds with the benefit of some type of cognitive health or maybe memory health or age related um, cognitive health type of benefit. Um, so I think that's really where we're seeing like some type of uh, an underserved group of consumers in the market. Sure. And you, you mentioned stress a couple of times. According to Euromonitor, half of global consumers are looking for new solutions to prevent stress and anxiety issues, sleep problems, and memory issues. And that was data from last year. I imagine it's even higher today. Do you, so yeah. you consider those, those health concerns to fall under this cognitive health umbrella? I do. I, I really think that, you know, the stress and the cognitive health really go hand in hand. Um, I think, you know, we saw some of that data from last year, but I think it's even going to be greater this year. I mean, more and more people are having sleep problems, having memory problems, having, I, I mean, anxiety issues right now are through the roof. Um, I know every time I turn on the news or read an article, um, I'm here in New Jersey, so, you know, COVID has been top of mind for everybody all over the U.S. So, I mean, all these things, you know, really are affecting our day-to-day -day lives um, when it comes to anxiety and stress and sleep. And, and how do we, you know, and, and what does that cause? What does that trickle down to, right? So when you think about anxiety, when you think about the lack of sleep, you know, you think about, you know, I can't focus. I can't concentrate. I still have to get up and do my job, whether it's going to the office or doing it from home. So I, I really do think a lot of these types of issues, you know, especially the sleep and the anxiety, they really trickle down into those cognitive health issues. Um, and, you know, maybe the 65 plus, they might not have um, as many as those issues as that younger demographic, um, but they're definitely going to have when it comes to cognitive health, more of those like age-related memory types of issues. Yeah, sure. So fundamentally, how does nutrition and dietary supplement, supplementation affect 
different areas of cognitive health and performance that we're talking about, like stress and then mental energy and memory. Yeah, so I, I, I love that question. Um, so, you know, before I did B2B marketing, I, I do have my master's in nutrition. So, you know, diet and supplement in, in, in nutrition, but diet and nutrition, I, I think, always play an important role in, in anything, right? The, the, the way you eat, the way you take care of yourself physically, mentally, um, it all really comes together. Um, you know, I, I think there's so many different types of ingredients on the market. There's so many different foods, uh, you know, that, that tout antioxidant benefits. And I, I think sometimes the consumer's perception gets clouded because there are so many things um, to take when it comes to food and when it comes to supplements. Um, but I, I think that there are a lot of good choices um, on the market. I think there are a lot of great ingredients um, that have a long history uh, with science. Um, there's other ingredients on the market that are more buzz-type ingredients that might not have as many clinical studies as other ingredients out there. So I think, you know, getting a good, a healthy diet, getting, you know, your nutrients in from a healthy diet is definitely main key, um, and then supplementing with the right ingredients, um, science-backed, research-backed ingredients, could really go hand-in-hand for cognitive health um, and performance. What impact do you think increased scientific understanding has on product development and innovation today? I think consumers are really starting to do their research when it comes to um, the ingredients on the market, you know, what, what, what are the ingredients, what are the benefits that the ingredients have, how long have they been studied, how much have they been studied, what have they been studied for. Um, when it comes to a, you know, manufacturing standpoint um, and a product development standpoint, innovation standpoint, um, I think it's really important to look at the clinical trials and understand your consumer and what, what you're manufacturing for that consumer, what types of claims you can make from those um, clinical studies, um, the efficacy of those claims, the efficacy of the amount that's going into the, to the product. You know, I see products on the market that, you know, are great products, they have great ingredients, but, you know, the efficacious dose might be 300 or 500 milligrams, and it only has, you know, 150 or 200 milligrams in the formulation. And I think consumers are really starting to look at that and understand, um, especially the cognitive health consumer, understand um, what that means when it comes to how their product is developed and innovation. So I think it's really important to understand, um, you know, the benefits from those clinical studies. Yeah, sure. That's a good point. It's important for, for companies to put an efficacious dose in the product um, that matches what the research indicates. So would you think this is leading to advancements in public health overall? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely, 100%. I think there's so many great products in the market. I think manufacturers are doing an awesome job developing innovative products, innovative delivery forms. I mean, we see, you know, we, we've, we've come from a world of capsules and pills and tablets and powders to a world of concentrates and mini shots and beverages and gummies and effervescence, so many different types of innovative 
um, delivery forms. And, and I think I think now the public, the consumer is demanding some of these advancements. Like, what's coming next? What's, what's the next best delivery form? What's the best, next best ingredient that's going to have, you know, science-backed results or, you know, 10, 15 studies behind it? Um, so I really think it is raising the awareness of um, the consumer's perception of the products on the market and the ingredients on the market as well. And I, and I also think it's also, you know, led to advancements of public understanding or the consumer's understanding of some of the buzzwords on the market, like what non-GMO means, what grass means. Um, what's the difference between saying something like a fermented product versus something that's chemically synthesized? So I think it's led to advancements of, of a consumer's perception of, you know, you know, I want um, a non-GMO, fermented, all-natural type of product versus something that's chemically synthesized. I think they're they're becoming more understanding of some of these terms on the market as well. Sure. Um, and we, we've spoke a little bit already about how the coronavirus has intensified pre-existing health issues like sleep, stress issues trouble with focus, um, what advice would you give brands when it comes to appealing to the many health needs exacerbated by this pandemic without seeming like they're trying to profit off of other people's misfortune? Yeah, and you do see it. I mean, you do see that, unfortunately, um, with some, some brands out there. But, I mean, I guess my best advice would, you know, be genuine, be a genuine brand, figure out that gap, figure out the need of the consumer, uh, do the research on, you know, the ingredients, how well the, the ingredients work together, um, how the benefits can, you know, together can appeal to a specific customer uh, or consumer. Um, focus on the science, focus on the benefits of the ingredients. I also say, like, stand for something. When you're a brand, um, you know, when it comes to marketing, stand for something, you know, whether it's environmental, giving back to the com community. Brands really love, consumers really love brands that are social, have that social responsible aspect to it, especially if you are marketing to um, a consumer that's under 55. Um, definitely be a brand that stands for something. Be a brand that gives back. Um, and, and just be genuine about, you know, what, what information you're putting out there to, not, to make sure you're not taking advantage um, or, or exacerbating some of the things that are going around with the pandemic. Yeah, alongside the, the delivery systems you mentioned, like gummies and gels and things, are beverage brands finding success in this market? And what appeal do they offer compared to supplements? Yeah, I mean, the beverage market's pretty interesting right now. So, you know, I think the beverage market, um, you know, functional beverage, when we talk about functional beverage, I guess maybe the first functional beverage we can go back and say that were maybe like the drinkable yogurts that had some type of functionality behind them with probiotics. But beverage companies are really getting innovative, um, they're really getting niche with, you know, the types of benefits that they are formulating with into their beverages, right? So especially some of the sports nutrition beverages, um, the energy, the, the, the beverages that are really geared towards energy needs. A lot of these types of uh, manufacturers are including some type of cognitive aspect into their products. 
Um, so it, it, I think we're, it's, it's a little premature. I think we're just seeing some additional benefits besides um, maybe like those energy type of benefits that have been around for a while in beverages. I think beverages are just starting to include some of these up and coming or these growing categories into their beverages like cognitive health, like immune health, right? So I think it's going to be interesting to see where the beverage category goes. Um, I mean, mostly what I've seen is just the regular, you know, bottled beverage or, you know, stick pack that you pour in or those little shots. But I think there's more innovation coming on the beverage side. So I'm actually excited to see um, what happens there um, in the cognitive health market. Yeah, and Kiowa offers Cognizant in this, in this cognitive health area. Uh, Danielle, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what um, acetylcholine is, what cognitive health benefits it offers, and how it works in the brain. Of course. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit more specifically about Cognizant. Um, it's the brand name for acetylcholine. This is actually a compound that is endogenously produced in our body. It exists as an intermediate in the production of phospholipids. And phospholipids are basically the building blocks to our cell membranes or the walls to our cells. And so they're really critical in the health and well-being of our cell membranes. And it's especially true for cognizant when it comes to the brain. Um, It is um, an intermediate in siglomyelin, um, it's specific to the nerves. So um, really this cell membrane and phospholipid production, it it contributes to healthy cell membranes and cell turnover, um, which is really critical to membrane fluidity and elasticity, which is often talked about in the brain health world when we're talking about, um, you know, memory and cognitive function, uh, the brain, uh, membrane fluidity and elasticity comes into play um, very, very much. Um, so, and, and so in terms of what, so what do we take it for? What are the benefits you can get from Cognizant? We have research that supports um, focused attention we do know we can impact um, brain energy at the mitochondrial level. And we also have um, studies that support um, memory too, um, which I'm gonna talk a little bit more about. So um, we're really covering a lot of the aspects of the brain health um, category these days. And so we're happy about that. <laughs> yeah, um, there's, with all the interest among younger consumers, there's still a very clear need among older and aging populations to preserve and maintain cognitive function. I know you and your colleagues recently published some results from a clinical trial on healthy older adults. Can you tell us about that and what you found? Absolutely. So it's not quite published yet. It was presented at the ASN's virtual conference. So this is new information. Um, We're hoping to have it published later on this year. Um, So basically, the study was uh, a large randomized clinical study of 100 healthy men and women between the ages 50 and 85. And these subjects were were determined to be healthy by the NIH's criteria of what's considered age-associated memory impairment. So it's basically healthy aging, but with some memory impairment that's considered healthy. So we want to help people with memory if they're having a little bit of memory problem, but not a lot of memory problem, right? Because 
Um, if you have a lot of memory problem, you're probably more on the disease side, but we want to help those people on the healthier side um, that are just having probably subjective complaints about forgetting things and so on and so forth. And so that's actually been um, defined by the NIH, thankfully. So we were able to really carve out that healthy population that could be helped with a supplement to address memory. Um, and so basically it was, you know, a, a placebo versus city choline 500 milligrams per day over a 12-week period. And they did uh, memory functions were assessed using uh, the Cambridge Brain Sciences um, test, which was a computerized test. Um, it was a battery-type test. Um, and it is a standardized test that's been used in many, many publications for, I think, over 20 to 30 years. So it's a great, um, reliable test. Um, and that's important when it comes to memory because it can be quite complicated to study memory. Um, and so what was found was after 12 weeks of the intervention, the subjects um, supplemented with acetylcholine showed a significantly greater improvement in episodic memory, um, which was assessed by a test called paired associates, um, as compared to those on placebo. And the second major outcome was that the scores for the composite memory, which is actually the total score of all of the tests for memory, um, was improved um, statistically significantly um, as compared to placebo as well. So we saw a specific, uh, we saw actually trends in all, it was actually, if you look at the data, the trends were there in all of the memory categories, and that's exactly why we saw statistical significance in the composite score. Um, however, statistically significant was episodic memory, um, and then, like I said, composite, which really gives like the overall uh, glimpse of memory. So really, really happy with the results um, in this study. Great. How significant is it to demonstrate a benefit in this specific population, which you said has age-related memory issues but doesn't cross that disease threshold? Yeah, so I mean, it's really important to, it's difficult, and there's been many attempted failures at looking at this in both the clinical setting and that, you know, in the supplement setting. You know, memory is complex and studying it has taken a long time to really understand it appropriately. Um, so it, it, it is challenging, but I think designing the, the appropriate study is important. And like I said, we screening uh, specifically for that population that, you know, that would accurately be the population that would benefit um, and from, you know, because of memory issues. Um, is important. And then, like I said, the type of test is so critical as well. Having a reliable, good test that has shown results previously um, and, and, you know, demonstrated again and again is, is critical. So it, it's actually very difficult, but I think we're getting better and better at, at, at um, studying memory. And with that, I mean, when we talk about memory and studying, you know, long-term memory is still not easy, easily studied. You know, the, the types of memories we really studied here with the Cambridge Brain Science Test was more like the working in the short-term memory, which is a little easier to assess. Long-term memory is um, is a, an, a whole nother ball game. <laughs> sure. Uh, could you touch a little bit on the difference between episodic and composite memory? Yeah, you know, um, so episodic is actually the ability to remember and recall specific events, you know, and it's paired within the context of which they occurred. So it's, it's very specific. It kind of is like you 
you know, almost traveling back in time and recalling a specific event, like, for example, you know, remembering your seventh birthday party and all the the specific memories that came along with that in context. So it's a very specific type of memory, um, recalling dates, times, what, what, when, where happened, um, things like that is episodic. Where the composite memory, like I said, you know, you're not going to be able to Google what composite memory is. It's actually more of a definition of this, you know, um, Cambridge Brain Science test, standardized test, where they do kind of a totality of the various um, memory tests that were given in the battery test. So it's really just kind of a, a generalized overall, mem- you know, short-term memory Um, So pretty different, you know, episodic is very specific, where the composite is kind of a general overall memory improvement. Got it. Can you discuss mechanism of action for the benefits you found? Yeah, so I spoke a little bit about how CityCoin works, um, you know, to get more specific, you know, the neuroprotective actions of CityCoin, you know, like I said, are, you know, including activating that biosynthetic pathway for enhancing structural phospholipids in the neuronal membranes, helping with uh, cerebral metabolism. I talked a little bit about brain energy, so it really helps the mitochondria in these cell membranes, you know, with some metabolism. Um, It does have a small impact on dopamine levels in the central nervous system, so that helps with the focus um, um, aspect of things. And um, basically, you know, like I said, it's it's a protective, um, it's a protect, it has a protective role because it's helping to accelerate the resynthesis or the turnover of those phospholipids. So it's keeping kind of our brain healthier and younger in a sense. Um, And that is kind of the general idea of how it's really helping with memory. Okay. How does this study complement the existing body of research on cognizant as it relates to cognitive health? Well, when it comes to memory, you know, we have previously seen beneficial effects in memory um, in various populations, but this study was, you know, designed to specifically show benefits in healthy, you know, adults with the age-associated memory impairment. Um, So, And we knew it was effective because, like I said, it's been studied before, um, but we really wanted to show it in the healthy population. So I do feel that having this study that's not published yet kind of completes you know, the the existing research on cognizant and healthy subjects because we had a lot of science already. Like I said, um, we have multiple studies in attention and focus. Um, still working on, uh, to, you know, we have some in brain energy as well. Uh, we know about the phospholipid synthesis. We've proven that with research. Um, and we had some previous older studies in memory that we knew there were effects, but having this new updated memory in the appropriate population, I think really completes um, the body of research on healthy population for cognizant. So overall, moving forward then, what are your expectations for the future of cognitive health research? Well, I mean, cognitive health research in general is 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 complicated. And I mean, my my opinion is that we have just hit the tip of the iceberg with understanding the brain and understanding how we can improve um, brain health. Um, I think that, you know, unlike many other organs in the body, the brain has really shown that it's 
complicated. You know, we have not figured out a drug to treat any of the health diseases really with the brain. It's it's not just a one solution organ. It's not just a targeted drug that works. It's multiple, um, multiple interventions that are going to take, you know, changes in the health of the brain. So, you know, supplementation isn't, is, is only one part, I think, of the bigger puzzle of improving overall brain health. And I think it's not just about diet either. I think we're learning how critical sleep is. We're learning even more how much even like uh, prenatal nutrition and and fetal nutrition and so on and looking at gut health. um, You know, we're learning um, exercise clearly is how we, you know, we kind of knew that, you know, it's not a surprise, but I think even more and more the science is coming out. But again, it's it's not any one of these is the answer. It's it's really that they all are intertwined when it comes to brain health. Um, so that's my opinion. And I think, like I said, there's going to be so much more research. Um, we have a ways to go with solving some of the the health um, public health issues when it comes to brain. We still have a ways to go, but I think we're starting to really uncover um, the complexities of, of solving these. So um, I'm excited. I think in my lifetime, I hope, I think we will see um, some breakthroughs. Um, so I'm hopeful. But of course, bringing it back to our amazing supplement, <laughs> we will continue to obviously do uh, research with Cognizant. Um, we do, we always continue our research and we will be confirming previous research as always as well, building on um, the claims that we make on the ingredient. Um, we are actually in the midst of planning. Well, we were in the midst of planning our next um, study and we will continue that once we can um, as the pandemic hopefully will uh, settle down, hopefully, whenever that happens. But, you know, we, we, are, we know what our next um, plan is, and we will execute when we can. Do you think the, the pandemic will be a significant setback for health research overall? Yes, probably. Just because, you know, we can't – I think we – unfortunately, it did stall a lot of current – studies and then you know we are going to be not able to you know I think we'll be innovative and we'll learn other ways to do the research but I do think it it, it is going to set us back a little bit Um, but in the meantime the scientists are going to work on other things hopefully too (laughs) Um, but yeah it it will probably set us back in some of our human research um, advances I think yeah okay we'll we'll see what the future holds and, yeah, uh, sounds like there's there's a lot of pieces to this cognitive health puzzle. So we'll we'll see what sure. what's in store next. Uh, Daniel Citrolo and Elise Lovett work with Kiwahako, which offers a number of branded health ingredients, including including cognizant acetylcholine for the brain health market. Thank you both for sharing your perspectives. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. For Nutraceuticals World, I'm Sean Maloney. Thanks for listening.